What's going on, everybody? I hope you guys are doing well. Whatever time you guys are listening to this, uh, we're coming back at you with another episode of the Grid Over Gift Podcast. Uh, I hope you guys are, like I said, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you guys had a good weekend. Um, I've been doing a lot of research lately just to, to really buff up my uh, knowledge in when it comes to training fundamentals and just always, I always constantly do that. I always come back to the principles that, uh, that kind of help form training programs and training philosophies. And, uh, and I mentioned one of my posts on Facebook or Instagram that you should always allow, you should never allow other people's philosophies to dictate how you, form your own philosophies, but instead the principles behind those philosophies should be what drive your own personal philosophy. So for example, if I was to lay out my own philosophy, it would, it would look similar to that of what like Dave Tate does, of course, Louis Simmons, um, Matt Wenning, um, and a variety of other West side barbell alumni, if you will. But uh, the reason behind it is because the the principles that are built that have that are the foundation in which those training philosophies are built upon are sound and they are also uh, they also are scientifically proven um, in a, in a number of Soviet countries and in a number of or sorry I should say former Soviet Union countries and uh, Excuse me, and of course, and of course, um, and of course here as well. Now, if you're a strength coach out there and you're trying to figure out, you're you're, you're going to try to figure out uh, what your own training philosophy is, and you're you're kind of just you kind of are stuck between not understanding if it's undulating periodization or or linear or a combination of the both or um, or periodization of different types of training philosophies, whatever the case may be, um, that's up to you. But it can be confusing uh, and frustrating if you don't really understand the principles that that have been laid out for all of us as strength coaches. Um, there's this thing called adaptation, and I'm sure you guys have heard of it before. And adaptation kind of is an all-encapsulating um thing or concept where an organism changes uh or makes changes to itself to fit its environment um but underneath that umbrella there are four main um subcategories that i believe will help dictate training performance or help guide you in your pursuit of um, increasing your athlete's ability to perform. So um, if I'm going to go through, let's talk a little bit about overload or loading, if you will. You will never be able to, um, you'll never be able to improve an athlete's performance if they remain, if their loading or their their training load remains the same for uh, any given of time, any given, any given amount of time. Um, an athlete's training load needs to constantly be um, pushed forward 
in order for them to in order for them to to succeed um a lot of people think that advanced athletes don't need as much work as a newer athlete but that's flawed logic because the more elite athletes need to put in they need to put in more work to try to um constantly improve they need to be pushing their load their training load up and up and up in order to get to another level um when it comes to overload or the principle of overload um there are a couple different trains of thought or not trains of thought there's just a couple of things you need to understand when it comes to loading specifically um when it comes to loading, it needs your loading needs to be appropriate. So, for example, if you want to stimulate an adaptation in the in, in in an athlete when it comes to loading, the load needs to be higher than what they're used to. Not necessarily too high, because then you're going to get going to get into detraining because they will eventually um, they will eventually overtrain. Then you got retaining. And that's when your athlete is generally in season and the load is the same. Your training load is the same as usual. There's no real ups or downs. And um, that should that should help your athlete stay uh, neutral or stay even instead of not losing anything and also not gaining anything. And then at the, on the other end of the scale, there's detraining, and that's when your training load is below what you're used to. Um, you would do this on a – I would say that you would do this. You could do this in your recovery phases or um, between the, the time between your in-season and off-season, a little bit of a gap between there just to help your athlete recover in some form or fashion. But when it comes to sports performance, you need to be paying attention to those three things. Are you is the training load a stimulating load, a detraining load, or is it retaining your athlete's ability instead of um, improving it? So that's basically overload. That's the overload principles. It's your it's the combination of it's a combination of volume and intensity, um, changing exercises. Um, varying your load depending on, again, intensity and volume um, and, and, and understanding the concepts of there's two trains of thoughts when it, when it comes to this type of, when it comes to overload, when it comes to supercompensation theory and also fatigue, uh, I believe it's called the fatigue, um, fitness fatigue theory. Um, where your fitness goes up and your, the, the difference between your fitness and your fatigue is what your, your end result is. But when it comes to choosing your load for your athlete, there's a variety of literature out there that can help you determine where your loading should be depending on, uh, of course, your athlete's level uh, and where, where they are in their training. Um, I always use Prolpin's chart. I'm sure you guys have heard of that before when it comes to choosing appropriate loads for your athletes. Of course, you know, it goes between 50. Uh, I won't break it down. You can find it on the internet. It's not that difficult, but there's a, there's a prescription. 
for uh, minimal, optimal, and um, maximal training loads in terms of per, what uh, corresponding sets and reps uh, to given percentages. Just understand that when Prilipin made that chart, he was doing it for athletes who were doing Olympic lifts. So they're constantly trying to move loads fast. So the, the loading is different. Some people say that you can adjust it 5% uh, up. So instead of, because if you're losing using heavier loads than any weightlifters are using, you're going to be... Um, you're going to be reaching over training a little bit quicker than usual. That's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, but just understand that uh, just understand that the loading in that chart is geared towards weightlifters, not necessarily powerlifters or athletes of different things. But it's a good baseline to look at. And if you do make adjustments here and there, you can do so. Um, and and I I've, I've felt personally, no matter what program I'm running, whether it's linear, whether it's undulated periodization, or of course conjugate or contrast, or not contrast, sorry, concurrent training, I've always found that that chart served me well, and I've always made decent gains when it comes to following that that, that prescription of sets reps. Uh, corresponding to the that percentage of training. So moving on from overload, there's a concept called accommodation. And when it comes to, to adaptation, it's probably the one thing you don't want to, it's a law that you don't want to, um, you don't want to adhere to. So what I mean by that, is if you are falling under the law of accommodation or if your athletes are being accommodated to what you're doing, it means that they are not going to be seeing as many gains as they possibly could if you were constantly varying movements, weights, sets, reps, um, range of motions, constantly varying movements. Accommodation is literally when your athlete has become so used to a training style that they can no longer see any returns on the investment they're making during the training session. So you as a coach, not only from an, not only from avoiding accommodation standpoint, but also trying to keep your athlete engaged, you're going to want to find new exercises and, um, and do different things so that you can keep them engaged and keep them wanting to train more. Um, I know that from me personally, I did five by five for probably six years when I first started five to six years when I first started. It's no joke. Five to six years of five by five, five by five, five by three ish, sometimes maxing here and there. When I first started powerlifting, I got to the point where I just did not want to go to the gym anymore because it was just boring. I was not seeing any gains anymore. Um, I was getting injured. And it was overall just not fun to put yourself through the same thing constantly over and over again. And and I don't want to fault my coaches or anybody for that for that because they probably just didn't know they didn't know themselves uh, any different. But when I started researching new training 
um, programs and, and concepts myself, I found myself moving in the right direction again, not necessarily because my programming was better than anybody else's, but literally because I made a change. I changed it up and I removed myself from falling directly in that law of accommodation. So that leads me right into um, the next two that kind of go hand in hand in some form or fashion. Um, well, not some form or fashion, they, they are directly related and that would be uh, the concept of, or the law of specificity or the concept of speci specificity as well as individualization. So if you are an athlete out there and um, you're doing certain things, your coach needs to understand how you're moving in your sport. Not necessarily, the coach doesn't necessarily need to understand um, how you're doing your movement or understand the sport aspect of what you're trying to do, but they do need to understand and un understand what exercises that he or she can do or prescribe to you that are going to have a direct effect on your sport. So that's specificity. So you can generally say doing squats is going to improve your overall performance in almost every sport. So that's cool. You can do your squats. That's not necessarily specific, but let's say that you are, um, let's say that you are a golfer. Um, doing max effort squats all the time and not focusing on rotation is not necessarily going to transfer over as well as if you were to add in some rotational movements to help with your swing um, or, or uh, um, doing core movements that are going to help you uh, transfer power through to the club better. Uh, it, that's just an example. So you would never put a power lifter, make a power lifter, do sled dragging all the time if you wanted to see their squat get better that's not to say that sled dragging won't improve a squat but it's not going to tr it's not going to to have a direct effect it'll have a um uh it'll have an effect that is not di it's not directly a movement that is mimicking what you're trying to do um now if you're an athlete out there who's doing stuff that's not necessarily no I'll, I'll leave that alone so so basically if you if you're a strength coach out there or if you are an athlete and your coach is prescribing you stuff that's not necessarily uh that you don't see that uh that that's that's giving you a direct effect to your sports performance it's just a waste of time it doesn't make sense to be strong in the wrong movements. You can be, you can have, uh, you can do 8,000 pull-ups or one pull-up with 500 pounds on your back. But if all you're doing is, um, if all you're doing is a uh, marathon running, for example, um, it's great to be able to, have a heavy pull, but it's, is it going to, is it, is it going to directly affect your running ability? Probably not. Or if you are, um, or if you're doing, uh, squats all day, but you only focus on your bench press, is it going to have the biggest effect on your bench press? Probably not. So that's just, 
that's just an example. Don't don't waste your time doing exercises that aren't affecting your sports performance in a positive way. Um, that being said, when it comes to changing up movements constantly, you may need to go through an experimental phase to see whether or not movements are going to help you out. So that is a segue right into individualization. Every person is different. Every athlete is different. Every athlete's going to have different weaknesses than someone else. Every athlete's going to have different strengths than someone else. So I always equate this back to the squat. If you are a coach and you watch your athlete squat, and they have a really hard time sitting back. They have a they have a really hard time keeping their sh- their shin angle um, at 90 degrees and they shoot their knees forward way ahead of their toes. They probably have a hamstring and glute problem. They probably have um, they probably have a weakness in their hamstrings and their glutes in some form or fashion. Or if you're watching them squat and they round over in their upper back when the weight gets too heavy, they probably have an upper back weakness. So it doesn't make sense to have someone who to, to train someone in the squats where their weakness uh, and make them do all this hamstring stuff if their weakness is, isn't at their hamstrings, but it's at their upper back. You should be hammering their upper back to to increase uh, the strength there so they won't give when uh, when time comes to squat heavy again. That isn't to say that um, there aren't universal weaknesses when it comes to athletes, but we all know that's true. Uh, the majority of uh, athletes today are going to be really weak in the posterior chain. So from the bottom of your neck to your uh, to your Achilles tendon, basically, all the way from the top to the bottom, a lot of people are very weak because everyone sits in chairs all day, but at the same time, they, uh, a lot of athletes out there just focus on the muscles that are on the, on the anterior or on the front, mainly because they look better, I suppose, but they're not necessarily as, they're definitely not as functional as your lats, your erectors, your glutes, your hamstrings, um, and even your calves. A majority of jumping and sprinting uh, the power comes from having string, strong calves, and a lot of people don't understand that. Um, but that being said, if you have a bunch of athletes that all have different weaknesses, sorry, but as the coach, you're going to have to figure out how to prescribe exercises that are going to help improve their individual weaknesses. We, it's great to know your athletes' strengths and where they're strong, but when it comes to improving your athlete and making them making them into an elite athlete is is always a finding and attacking weaknesses um i don't know when it became such a such a difficult concept to understand that when it comes to athletics specifically if you just focus on someone's strengths or you rely on someone's strengths they're never going to get better their strengths strengths can improve to a certain extent but if you want to improve the strengths even you got to really focus on your weaknesses say someone's really good at squatting but they're but they still are lacking in their mid back or erector area 
they're going to have a limit. It's just the it's just the it's just the facts. Like there's going to come to a point where where they're going to break, not necessarily get injured, but they're going to fail. Whereas if you spent time on focusing on what their weaknesses are, then all of a sudden they're hitting new records, they're doing new things, um, and and now you have an athlete who's just moved into an elite status. As a strength coach, that's what you kind of want, right? So if you're if you're out there and you're trying to form a training program, you need to understand. Uh, the proper loading, which I'll get into in a different episode. You need to understand the law of accommodation and trying to avoid it. You need to get specific with what you're trying to do that directly relates to the sport you're trying to coach or the sport that you're trying to compete in. And also you need to understand that not all athletes are the same. Everyone is different. Everyone's weaknesses are different. And when you want, and when you're talking about and making improvements in athletes, all improvements are going to be made when you attack people's weaknesses. Say it straight up, it's simple as that. Find where an athlete is weak, increase the strength of that weakness, and all of a sudden you're going to find yourself having an athlete who is moved to the next level. So this is a short episode today. Um, I just wanted to get that off my chest. I kind of wanted to just make it plain and simple. Like if you're an athlete out there and you're looking for a coach, by all means, you don't have to talk to me. You don't have to, I'm not trying to use this as a way to sell my, my training or whatever. But if you're getting a cookie cutter program or something that you've seen before, it's probably because they're only trying to make a buck. They need to understand where you are where you are lacking in order for them to really attack your weaknesses and make you a better athlete. If someone doesn't even ask you for video of you squatting or video of you deadlifting or video of you doing anything and they just throw you a program that they've had sitting there that's just an Excel spreadsheet they just send it off to whoever. Then you're you're probably you're it'll work to an extent but you're not going to see full potential out of it. And at that point, you just wasted about 12 weeks of your time uh, where you could have been making really, really good gains in the gym or whatever you're trying to do. If your weaknesses were attacked, your spe- uh, the exercises were detailed to specifically what you're looking to do, and uh, and they were constantly varied. It's simple as that. Uh, but... But other than that, I hope you guys have a great day, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.